to sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's that time of the week. Happy hump day. It's a Wednesday. But if you're listening, thanks to ACB Radio, you may be listening to the repodcast. Just want to say thank you for taking the next 60 minutes to share it with us on Health Checkup. We are excited to be here with you today. As you guys all know, this is Terry Suarez, your critical care respiratory therapist from Central Florida, AHA instructor for American Heart for all the classes, including American Academy of Pediatrics Neonatal Resuscitation. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Hey, Jay, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. And it was lovely weather out here in Arizona. Nice and breezy, too, though. <laughs> and what I bring to the table is I was a firefighter, paramedic, engineer, diver, um, CPR instructor, and also worked in the hospital. I'm telling you, your credentials are getting longer every call there, Jay. We appreciate your part of our team. Now, you guys may recognize that we don't have our 911 dispatcher today. Darrow, unfortunately, had an appointment that he was unable to change. Um, but just to let everyone know, he's doing fine with his second vaccine. That's not what it's all about. It's something else. And he may pop in a little bit later, but says hi to everybody in the community. Alrighty, so today on our team, we have our host, Dan. Hi, Dan, how are you today? I'm doing okay, same as usual. Good, 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 good. And then our streamer for today is Desiree. Hey, Desiree, we're very glad you're here with us and connecting us with the ACB radio community stream. Yep, Thank you. I'm glad to be All here. All right, well, let's get started. As we know, March was March Madness, April where where did all these awareness months come from in April? It's been super, super busy. Um, we are super excited to focus on this Wednesday on two things. Um, we are going to focus first for the first 30 minutes on National Autism Awareness Month. And we are super excited to have some guests with us. And we were going to get to them in a few minutes. But at first, I was in communication with National Autism Association. And unfortunately, um, they were not able to send a representative today. Because as we all know, in ACB, when it gets close to convention time, everything gets focused on convention. And the National Autism Association is having their virtual convention. It's Friday, May 7th through Saturday, May 8th. And it is $50 to go. And I posted some references and some videos on ACB community and also on our health checkup Facebook group for you guys to be able to get some resources. As we are aware of autism and we learn a little bit more of the etiology of what causes it, what are the current therapies, and what we need to focus when we have someone in the family 
or a friend or come in contact with someone with autism. But before I move any further, I want to make sure I give everyone this phone number. So I will repeat it again after we do the presentation. But for the National Autism Association, are you ready? Get your Braille writers, get your pens, get your recorders. And here we go. It's one 877 I'll repeat that again. 877-622-2884. And that's the National Autism Association. They've been around since 2003. They do a lot of things. They actually put together programs to help with resources and help you with what's going on. But first, before I go into all their resources, I want to talk to you about autism. Autism is a very surprisingly increasing in in awareness because it is a more of a behavioral and oops, someone just left. <laughs> Sorry, I got my voices on. And um, it is about cognitive awareness and interaction. Um, there is no pure diagnosis of this is your child's going to have autism. There's no DNA at this time that we can do genetic testing, but there is some genetic intervention with it. There's currently no evidence-based research saying that vaccines cause autism. The thing of it is with autism is the brain development. There are definitely research about how the frontal lobe is developed different. But the thing of it is about autism is that it's changed in the verbiage six years ago, that it's not just autism. It's an autism spectrum disease. So it's everything from one extreme to the other, meaning that there are some people that have autism that are nonverbal. Then there are some people that have autism that are high leveling functioning autism. And some of us might be aware of autism in association with Um, If you ever saw the movie Rain Man or heard the movie Rain Man, where it's called Asperger's. So they no longer want to consider that a different process. They're going to put it in the autism spectrum disease. So ASD is the new term for autism spectrum disease. And what's so integral about this disease process is early intervention with therapy. So diagnosing if a child has autism usually occurs between the first 18 months to 24 months of age, because what it is is basically the brain is not able to clearly communicate with the world around them. It's either over hypersensitive or it just doesn't able to communicate because of the different processes in the brain. Um, There is some evidence-based research um, being done on trying to figure out the causes of autism. And again, they're only coming up with risk factors. And that is pregnancies of later in age, um, genetics, and 
other environmental factors that they're trying to figure out. But the most important thing is, is once you get diagnosed with autism spectrum disease, there is currently no cure. The only thing we have is treatment. And if you're not someone and the numbers in the United States is one out of every 54 children have some form of autism spectrum disease. That is very prevalent. And for us, if you don't have one in the family that has, if you don't have a family member or a friend or a neighbor, the one thing we can do is be a part of the community, is try to understand what we can do when an autistic is having what I call moments. And we did training in this in the healthcare profession. And that's one thing National Autism Association is, by the way, um, Jay, I'm not sure if you were involved in this, but they train paramedics, police officer, medical staff members on how to help when an autistic patient comes in to our care and to our um, path, because it's totally different than any other type of interaction, because they might just have you know, not being able to communicate. Can you imagine not being able to communicate? Like you can hear it in your brain, but you can't express it through voice. And that's why the most important thing is early intervention and therapy with speech therapy, voice therapy, and expressing their clear communications and expressing their clear thoughts. So on that note, the second thing is, is when you have someone who has autism, a child, an adult, is to create a safe environment. One of the dangers about autism is they tend to wander. And we're going to take a few minutes and talk about a fantastic program. And I personally have a friend that her son was saved by her autistic therapy dog. And so I'm super excited at this time. Um, to talk to Mary and Kate, right? Correct. Yep. From Dogology Academy. Yay. I love that name, Dogology (laughs) Academy. I love it. I love it. And we're so glad to have you guys here. I know you traveled really far from Washington and (laughs) um, we're so honored to have you guys here. So um, share with us your uh, academy and the things that you do and how the training works, because us that are vision impaired and blind, um, most of our community members that are listening to us on ACB radio and in Zoom are guide dog users which are totally different types of training. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about the training of the dogs. Certainly. Well, thank you very much for having us here today. We're, we're glad to be here. Um, we are uh, an academy that raises and trains service dogs specifically for autistic children and other people that have psychiatric disorders. The dogs are raised completely different than a sight dog. A sight dog is raised um, you know, for a much longer time, they need to be raised for about two years, whereas our dogs can start functioning for their client within six months of age. And um, they can do skills such as comforting the child, being present for the child. Uh, some of the other skills they can do is interrupting episodes. And an episode can be anything from a, a, a crying fit 
all the way to, you know, uh, a full-blown tantrum with kicking, screaming, banging head on things. Um, you know, when the, when the child cannot communicate, they, they only know to, you know, thrash around in some cases. So um, our dogs are trained to um, interrupt those cycles, either lay on the child, put a paw on the child. Um, and obviously that wouldn't be the six month old. That'd be closer to, to our older, you know, one-year-old dogs. Um, uh, some other things they can do, we can tether. So the children that tend to wander can um, have, have a, a grounded item, so to speak, almost like a weight and the dog knows not to move. And, and that way the child is, is basically tethered down in a safe manner rather than just tying it to something, which, you know, isn't a very desirable way to handle things. Um, some autistic children are unable to sleep um, or sleep alone. And our dogs are trained to sleep with them, giving their parents some freedom back. Some of these parents tell us stories for six to 10 years, they've, they've not slept alone in their mm -hmm. bed without a child. And you can imagine being an adult, you know, married or single, but just never sleeping alone for, you know, six to 10 years. Um, and so we're, we're essentially giving these families their life back. And while they're, they're not an inexpensive, you know, service dogs are never inexpensive, but um, the, the clients that we have say that, you know, we basically saved their life or changed their life drastically. Katie actually has a story and I'll let her share about a, a, sh a girl with a shower. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the, one of the service dogs that I trained not too long ago, her name was Peggy and she was a beautiful golden doodle. Uh, but she had a, a young lady that she went to serve and this young lady had never been able to be in the bathroom alone had never been able to shower alone without someone being in there with her. And within a, a just a few days of Peggy being there, she was able to shower by herself for the first time. And she also started to stay in her room and sleep in her own bed for the first time ever. And that she was, yeah, is she, amazing. Yeah. 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 So her parents went nine years without any freedom because mm. to have to be with your child every bathroom visit, every shower. Um, some of these children, you know, they just don't want to be unattended. Um, they, they, they can't comprehend the world without that, a secure grown up. And, um, you know, we even have, I have one that was a 13 year old. And he, when he got his dog, we heard stories over the next six to eight weeks that he had his dog in the beginning there, that he became this not an extrovert, but he was on his paddleboard. He was outside. He started skateboarding. I'm just really enjoying life for the very first time. And he had this, you know, almost a hundred pound dog with him everywhere he went. Spoke to a stranger. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. that's amazing. That's one of the um, things that I think dogs do is help create a link from their world to the real world. Um, I have a dear friend of mine, she's a nurse. And I told her, I said, you know, your son, we really should look into train, you know, getting you an autistic dog. And she had never heard of it. And her son was four. And she was just saying how her and her husband never had the freedom. And so she did find um, here in Florida and um, got the autism dog within six months trained. 
And uh, the dog was older. He was, he was, when they got, uh, when they got the dog, he was one years old. So I don't, I think it was a, a return, um, but he still passed training. And the reason why I'm sharing this story is, is um, the dog saved her son's life. He is a five-year-old, was a five-year-old. And um, they had, um, you know, a 12 foot fence around their yard because they live very close to a pond. And in Florida, if there's water, there's what? Alligators. Uh And um, the lawn service company had come and she let the child out, which normally with the 12 foot fence, you know, it was safe. Well, the lawn company did not lock the door. So luckily she had tethered the dog, Jack to her son and how they tether is really cool. It's like, I'm like, this is cool. Um, It's around their waist. It's like a big belt, like a back belt kind Mm -hmm. of that goes around the waistline. Uh, Mary and Kate, you probably um, can describe it better. And, um, and they tether the dog to the child and they play together. They walk together and her son started wandering out of the backyard and the dog just went sat and just barked. And she said she just went in to answer the phone and get her cell phone. And it was like less than two minutes when the child was already out of the yard Mm -hmm. and was less than uh, 400 feet away from the pond. Mm -hmm. And if Jack wouldn't have sat down and got her attention, um, most of the autistic um, lost and found, unfortunately, um, it's a it's a drowning. They're very attracted to water and they'll get lost uh, or they'll slip and fall into the water. They're curious about water Mm -hmm. and being in Florida. um, It's very prevalent, but we'll talk about water safety in May. (laughs) Right now we're going to talk about um, (laughs) autism. And the most important thing is to gain an understanding of how we can help them in, in the world and I think the most thing is just to respect, respect them that they just can't communicate their thoughts. I think that's the most, the cognitive processes are different for an autistic person. Um, the spectrum is big, just like us that have no vision. We can have low vision, high vision, little vision, blob vision, no sight, full sight, you know, dark um, later in life. Um, we have that whole spectrum. And so is it for autism. And for those that have Asperger's, oh my gosh, they're not, they're not silly. They're super, super smart people that just have a different track in their brain development. And they're just on a different wavelength, but there are amazing people to have in our community. Um, I posted on ACB community, Facebook, a video and as you can tell, we're not playing videos anymore due to um, making sure we keep ACB radio and these rebroadcasting um, rules about videos. But we have two people here that I want them to explain a little bit more. Mary, you're the CEO and Kate, you're the CFO, correct? COO. Oh, COO. Okay. So tell us how many dogs do you guys, and how far do you guys send your dogs? How far do you match them up? Well, I'll tackle the distance and I'll let Katie handle the numbers. Um, And so we have dogs in almost all 50 states, including Hawaii and Alaska. We actually are up to five going to Hawaii. 
Um, and we have two in Alaska. So we cover all 50 states. There's a couple that we haven't mastered yet. We have not got one in North or South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, but they, they go everywhere. We, we can, we can uh, place the dog anywhere that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had, we have one going to Canada, which has different rules. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some different rules in different countries and we have been called from um, Bermuda and a couple of the different islands that, that wanted dogs too, but they have very specific rules when it involved canine, even if they're medical canines, they still have to follow some pretty strict rules. Um, but we're, we're very delighted to have almost all 50 of those states. Um, a lot of the Eastern states, mm-hmm. I would say New York, New Jersey, and Maine have been very popular, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually have one leaving for Florida in a few weeks. Yes. <laughs> oh, what, what area of Florida? Um, I believe, I believe they are flying into Orlando. So in, in the area. Yeah. yeah. At least a dozen in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So Mary, uh-huh. thank you so much. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we do, uh, we do specialize in, in puppies that are doodle mixes. And then we also have poodles. And the reason that we have selected, elected to specialize in doodles and poodles is because a lot of our clients, in addition to their um, ASD, is they also have other health issues. So, you know, there's no, there's nothing that you can say 100% hypoallergenic, but a dog that is hypoallergenic is definitely much more helpful for a lot of our clients. Um, but depending on, on, you know, the need, we here at Dogology Academy can have anywhere between 50 and 70 dogs in training at one time. Wow. So, yeah. And so we, we get our, we work with, um, some very specialized breeders, uh, and we, we hand select the puppies and we train, raise and train them. And we raise them pretty much from 10 weeks old until they go home to their families. Wow. Well, if I don't ask this question, I know someone else will. Can you take a guide dog and the guide dog user has autism is, has ASD can you enhance the guide dog without interfering with their guide dog training? That I would not have an accurate answer because guide dog training is really life and death. The dog has been trained to um, do things that our dogs are not trained to do. And our dogs are trained to be on task 24 seven, whether they're sleeping or anything. The only time they're not on task is when they're allowed out to play in the yards So guide dogs are a lot different because when they have their vest on, they're working. um, And then when they take their vest off is kind of downtime. Um, Our dogs are trained to be in tune with their owners or handlers more on the energy level. So they can, can kind of read or smell the differences and the different changes in the child. Um, It's very similar to somebody who had seizures or has, um, maybe low blood sugar, high blood sugars, the dog doesn't alert for that, but it knows what to watch for with the autistic child or the, um, psychiatric patient. It, it notices more emotional changes. 
Um, so a lot different thinking for the dog. So I would imagine it would be pretty difficult, but I have a feeling that um, a blind dog would probably be doing these things already and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. So yeah, yeah so dogs have over 240 240- 240 million olfactory nerves. So they're super sensitive to our hormones and chemical releases. So my medical service dog, Duke, is very attuned to my stress factors when I start to have any type of triggers for my asthma. Um, So he alerts me before I actually have a severity of asthma. So I'm very familiar. And yeah, those stress hormones, and that's why um, we get our service dogs much sooner so they can get used to those different levels and smelling those different levels and the individuality. So, well, thank you ladies. If you don't mind, um, time check. 2.25. Okay. Oh, I do have a question. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Um, what kind of, if, can you kind of like overall explain how their training goes? Sure. They are trained um, with love and respect versus treats where um, a, a blind dog is going to be trained with treats and clickers, which are positive, positive markers. Our dogs are trained with respect and love so that they understand to go to that person at all times and never fear that person, but respect that person. So in other words, the dog is trained to jump up on you, but only when you want it to. It's trained to to interrupt you without harming you so that we can train a hundred pound dog to interrupt a child's episode without harming the dog. Because you can imagine a hundred pound dog jumping on a a three year old. That would not be a good thing. Um, So they're trained with a little bit different uh, uh, methodology than, uh, say, your alert dogs and your blind dogs. Um, it's, it's quite the interesting process, mm-hmm. quite the, it takes a lot of patience because it's a lot of waiting for the dog to read mm-hmm. rather than telling the dog what to do. Remember our clients are often nonverbal, so they can't tell the dog what to do. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Dan, can you go over how to raise hands and let's see if we have any questions from our community? Yes, on a PC, if you're raising your hand, you press Alt-Y. On Mac, it's Option-Y. On a smartphone, there's a More button in the lower right corner. You double tap there, and then you go to the Raise Hand option. And on a landline phone, it's Star 9. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. Do we have any raised hands? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Well, while we're waiting, I'm, I'm happy to interject and let you know that, you know, just like a, an alert dog or, or a medical dog or a guide dog, you know, our dogs are also trained with, within all of the ADA, Americans with Disability Act guidelines. You know, so our dogs learn how to behave in stores and travel on airplanes and, you know, do all of those special things that that any dog, you know, within that category needs to do. So yes, they serve their particular person, but they're also very good canine good citizens and, um, and do what they need to do in the public as well. Well, thank you for answering that. That's really great clarification. And let's not start talking about the new transportation flight 
<laughs> requirements. It's a sensitive sure. subject. <laughs> But we have lots of calls. You're welcome to join our community, but I'm sure it's affecting you guys as well. Uh, yeah. All righty. Well, if we don't have any further questions, no hands, Dan? No hand. Oh, yep. Beth just raised her hand. Oh, okay, Beth from New Mexico. Beth, how are you today and what can we answer for you? Pretty good. Um do your dogs deal with uh, like teenagers too? Absolutely. Um, matter of fact, I would say a, a large majority of our dogs go to teenagers that are entering, you know, junior high and high school, or even some that are going to college. And, you know, this is the first time they're really away from uh, the parental support all the time. And so the, the call for dogs to you know, with, I'd say 10 years to 25 years old is, is, is large. Mm-hmm. We get a large, large call for dogs at that age. Um, it also, and how, could a person, how could a person get in touch with um, your organization? I have three grandchildren that are, um, that are, have Asperger's. <clears throat> one is 14, one is, he'll be 18 in June and one is 19. Yeah, we would love to help. Um, Dogologyacademy.com. Beth is one of our viewers that is phone only. So if you can share your number. Yeah. Okay, so that. My daughter has, well, yeah, if you have a phone number, but I think my daughter has a computer. But Okay, well, I'm happy to give you the phone number if you're ready. Okay, cool. Uh Uh-huh. And that's 509-844-844. Six four six seven. And yes. your website is dogology.com. Dogologyacademy.com. Dogologyacademy.com. Yes. 509-844-6467, right? Correct. And there's some oh, other well. cool resources that I want to share with everybody from the National Autism Association. Um, Give a voice. They have a campaign where they will be able to let you apply for a communication device. Sometimes it's an I and yes, I'm going to say it an Apple pad um, and be able to improve communication for those that are nonverbal. And the other great tool is called the big red safety box. Now, this is amazing. It was created in 2011, and basically it has all the tools that Jay, Darrow, and I talk about to communicate. If your child is lost, it gives you a plan. Um, It gives you all these different resources all in this box, because if you ever need it, it's always better to be prepared and an advocate. Um, And just to let you know, if you don't know someone But if you do um, and you want to donate $27, that's the cost for each box to go out. You can apply to get a box for free. But if you want to donate $27 to the National Association, uh, National Autism Association, that would go to that program. Also, there's the Autism Atrium. This is an amazing tool for any of you guys that interact with autism students, if there's any teachers, medical, um, librarians, I mean, you name it. Um, Did I mention that it's our favorite price, free 99 (laughs) for these webinars? 
<laughs> I am super excited. And um, yeah, so that's called Autism Atrium. So they have some fantastic tools and I will make sure to have the link up for the National Association or National Autism Association. But for those of you guys that need a phone number, here's their number. 877-622-2884. And I just want to say thank you so much to Dogology Academy for being here with us today. We are just super excited for all you do for the autism community and really help connect them. I also um, was listening on YouTube. I'll post some videos about, I wasn't able to post any of your videos because they're not blind friendly. (laughs) We need some audio description on your videos. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, Janie's, you know, walking down the road with Jimmy and um, that would be fantastic. But the stories of how the dogs help create the communication bridge between their world and just social skills, like a teenager um, having an autistic dog where kids come up and talk to the dog versus talking to them helps with their anxiety Mm -hmm. and just gains confidence. And um, with Ashburgers helping them in college, because when you're overwhelmed with all the sounds and the fluorescent lights and everything going on, um, the dog just helps bring calmness down. And let's not get started on the weighted blankets and the, clothing that you can wear, Uh, just a little trivia for everybody. You know, the thunder vest that everyone talks about that dogs get if they have any fear or anxiety related to thunderstorms or fireworks actually came from autism clothing where they have the vests that Velcro and and create that big, nice hug for calm and relaxing. So I just wanted to let you guys know that. Um, Thank you again, Dogology Academy, Mary and Kate, for being here. You're welcome to stay. Um, Hi, Jay. Is Terry here? Yes, she is. Oh, my goodness. We're going to break the stream. I hope it's strong. We got two Terry's in the room. (laughs) And um, she's a nurse from 924. And she's going to help us to realize about sleep. Because especially being a, a paramedic, going out at all kinds of hours and not getting good sleep in the first place, I really know about good sleep. And all, all right, Jay, wait a minute, wait a minute. We were just talking about National Autism Awareness. Why are we doing this sleep again? Oh, that's right. We had to reschedule this call. <laughs> so we're super excited to have Terry here with us today to help us conclude our sleep awareness from February. Um, And this is the time because she's been so busy in our community. So thank you, Jay, for connecting and getting Terry to help us close up the importance of getting a good sleep and how that reduces stress and helps our body repair itself. So take it away, Jay. Terry, you out there? Because I saw you on. Jay, this is, it's Shauna. Oh, Shauna. Sorry about that. That's okay. So traveling, Terry, sorry, it's not two of you. <laughs> oh, that's that's really good because I don't know if the community can handle. We've already got another, we've got a few other Terry's. <laughs> we got there Terry Kachanko, go. traveling Terry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that, that explains why you have a, a traveling Terry since there's a few of you to distinguish the difference. But my name is Shauna and I'm happy to be here with y'all this, oh, this afternoon. Oh, hi, Shauna. 
Yeah. Thank you for being here. I know we've been trying to catch up and and close this opportunity. So yes, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for being flexible. I had a um, another um, um, appointment that went over. So what I'm going to do just to be respectful of the time because I know that um, you know it lasts an hour. So what I'll do is give a brief overview of the condition. And then if you have any questions, um, specific questions that if we don't have time or if it's confidential, please reach out to me. I'll leave my number and I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you after when it's convenient for you. And also us from Health Checkup want to say thank you so much for being a sponsor of ACB Community. We really appreciate all that your company does for us. And we just want to give you this opportunity to educate us. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And we appreciate Edumacate. I love it. We appreciate the partnership, you know, at the national state and local level. And I think this is a really great group that y'all have formed just since COVID for the health checkup to where you can center on um, health needs and education um, and awareness. So this fits right in with non 24. Um, We have a small group here. So um, what I'll do, if you do have a question, you can unmute if if um, if you're not going to address your question while I'm talking here, I don't mind that. Well, just to so, warn you, you are okay. being broadcast live through ACB radio. So okay. we might have a small, but we've got a mighty group in Zoom room, but we've got a lot of listeners out there on ACB radio community. Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with me. So that way, you're if welcome. I leave my number, um, then you know anyone can reach out to me. Yeah, so my name is Shauna Jatho. I'm a clinical nurse educator with Vanda. And what my role is, is to increase the awareness of this very rare condition that affects mainly our totally blind community, but also those with limited light perception can also develop non-24. The three main symptoms are difficulty falling asleep at night, difficulty getting a full night's sleep, and or difficulty staying awake during the day. You don't have to have all three of the symptoms, and these symptoms may come and go. So the full condition name is non-24 circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorder. So that key word in there is circadian. It's spelled C-I-R-C-A-D-I-A-N. And that's what I'm going to give you a little brief overview um, to where you could better understand where these symptoms are coming from. All of us has a circadian rhythm. And for each of us, the timing may be a little bit different. And for most of us, the timing is a little longer than 24 hours. So keep in mind, all of the cells in our body follows a circadian rhythm. So our sleep and wake cycle is just one type of circadian rhythm. To name a few others, our appetite is a circadian rhythm. Our body gives us cues and signals when it's hungry. Our body temperature is a circadian rhythm. Our body temperature is usually cooler at night while we're resting or sleeping and warmer during the day while we're up moving around and active. Our hair and nail growth is also a circadian rhythm. Our hair and nails tend to grow more at night versus during the day. So I like to give those examples so that you have a good understanding of what our circadian rhythm function is. It's to regulate and control all of our circadian rhythms to give us cues or signals to tell our body to do something at a certain time. So focused on the circadian rhythm with sleep and wake is very important for most of us. We want to have a routine sleep and wake pattern so that we can have a good quality functioning life. 
So how does our body know when it's day and when it's night? Here is the importance with those of us who are either totally blind or limited light perception. Our body needs a signal from the external environment to tell us when it's day and when it's night. And we get this through light. So light is basically our primary resetting tool. It erases that extra time. So what I mentioned, all of us has a circadian rhythm. And for most of us, it's a little longer than 24 hours. What this light does every day is erases that extra time to put our bodies back in sync with the 24-hour world that we live in, you know, the clocks that we follow. How our light gets to our brain to tell us when it's day and when it's night. There's a specific pathway that it follows. So light is signaled through our eyes to the specialized cells of the retina in the back of the eye, which then transmits a signal from the back of the eye to the master body clock in the brain. If our body is not able to perceive any or enough light, we're not able to get this light pathway to signal to our brain when it's day or when it's night. So what happens is our body starts running on its own time. So that extra time that each of us or most of us, I should say, has, if we don't have this light to erase that extra time, our body starts to run on its own time. So our body's sleep and wake schedule starts shifting and drifting a little later and later each day. And that's what may lead to the symptoms of non-24. So that gives you a little general overview of our circadian rhythm, what's happening inside of our body that's causing the symptoms of non-24. So let's go through briefly with the three symptoms there. So we all have a circadian rhythm cycle. For one of us, it may take only a month to get through a cycle. For another one of us, it may take two months or longer. It's different with each of us. So that first main symptom, difficulty falling asleep at night. If you're towards the beginning or near the end of your cycle, then you may not have any difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep or staying awake. But as your body shifts and drifts each day, and as your body moves through your cycle, then you may find that it's a struggle to fall asleep. It may take you an hour. It may take you a few hours to fall asleep at night. That's the first main symptom. The second is difficulty maintaining that sleep, meaning getting a full night's sleep. So depending on where you are in the cycle and the severity of that, some individuals have explained that you know, they wake up and they may be up for an hour, a few hours, but can go back to sleep or to the other extreme where they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep. And for most of us, that could be quite frustrating, whether it's, you know, with dealing with our quality of life, if it's uh, family time, social activities, school work, whatever that need is for us to wake up every day and get our day going. If we didn't have a good quality sleep, and that happens consistently through a pattern, and I should say even an erratic pattern, then that's going to affect our quality of life. It can affect us physically, mentally, emotionally. And then the third main symptom is difficulty staying awake during the day. There again, depending on where your body is in that cycle, you may not have any trouble staying awake one day. Um, for a few days, you may feel a little drowsy, but you can still you know, power through your day. Uh, you may have to take nap or a few frequent naps. 
And to the other extreme, you may fall asleep of the drop of a hat in the middle of the day. So that can cause a lot of distress in our quality of life there. That's the three main symptoms. Non-24 is cyclical in nature, meaning the symptoms may come and go. So like I explained, depending on where you are in the cycle, that you may have some good days and some good nights of sleep and wake pattern. And you may have to the other extreme where you have a few weeks of difficult sleep or difficulty staying awake. So let's go through some facts of non-24. It affects up to 70%, 70% of individuals who are totally blind. It's a very high percentage, um, mainly due to the lack of any light perception. But you can have some light perception and still develop non-24. It affects both men and women equally at any age. And the symptoms of non-24 are generally first noticed around the time an individual starts to lose vision. And if your vision symptoms worsen, then your sleep symptoms may worsen. So that gives you a little idea of where these symptoms are coming from by having some background you know, knowledge now of what our circadian rhythm is. So keep in mind that this is a general overview in a setting like this. But if you would like to learn more about non-24, if you would like your doctor educated on non-24, and I mentioned having our doctor, meaning our healthcare professional. So that could be our primary care doctor, internal medicine doctor, or if we happen to have a sleep specialist, a psychiatrist, um, your eye specialist, and it could also be a nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. It's very important that we educate our doctors and for not necessarily for you to have to go in and educate your doctor on this very rare condition. We have specialized account managers, and that's what their role is, is to educate our healthcare professionals in the community um, so that they have a good understanding of what this rare condition is, who it may affect, and what the symptoms are. So if you'd like to learn more about non-24, if you'd like to have your doctor educated on non-24, if you would like to host a non-24 presentation with your local ACB chapter, um, then those are benefits of what we call our health educator program. Our health educators will work one-on-one with you over the phone to provide as much or as little support. Um, Some individuals keep in close contact with their health educators. Uh, They want their doctor educated. They've been suffering with sleep struggles for years and affecting the quality of their life and want to know what is my next step. Other individuals like to have the literature mailed, emailed to them. Um, It could be we have literature in large print, braille, audio, and like to do their own research, um, take their time at, you know, learning about it on their own and then reaching back out to their health educator. Um, from there. So Thank the beauty of that so much for all that information. I just need to do a time check, Dan. 248. Awesome. Wonderful. So okay. can you, um, because it's a business number um, and the email for the information and the website, can you repeat that again for everybody? Yeah. So the best contact here to get started initiated is to reach out to me personally. My number is 202-538-0396. That's 202-538-0396. 
And that way I can gather uh, just, you know, on a brief call, gather some information for the health educator to reach out to you. And then um, that way y'all can take it from there. I see that Darrow has a question or has hand raised, maybe a comment or question if we have time. Oh yeah, sure, Darrow is our facility. Hey Darrow, you made it. Yay. Yes, I did. I'm I'm one of the co-hosts here, but I'm a little late joining the crowd today. So I thought I'd raise my hand. Oh, I okay. actually have a, I have a few questions for you. My first one is I'm not quite following the light and dark cycle because of when it gets dark at night. For example, in here in Connecticut, where I live, in the wintertime it gets dark at 4:30, but in the summertime it doesn't get dark till 8:30 or 9 o'clock. How does that affect this this whole circadian rhythm and the fact that light and dark changes so much? Yeah, so good question. So um, with our season changing and our our um, save, daylight savings time, things of that nature, um, that can per se offset our circadian rhythm. But within a few days, if we're able to perceive light, then our body acclimates to that. Our body can reset and get back on that routine day and night schedule. Um, But for those who have limited or no light perception, your body's not able to get that signal from the back of the eye to the brain. And our master body clock is where our circadian rhythm is located, where that light perception signal is going. Um, So for those who have no vision or limited light perception, then um, you're more at risk of developing the symptoms of non-24 with, uh, with whether it's, let's say, traveling through different time zones or, you know, through our daylight savings times, any of us may have our circadian rhythm offset, but our body will eventually acclimate to the new time and reset. How about people, uh, to be honest with you, at one time in my career, I worked midnight shifts and I could never acclimate. Is is that because of the circadian rhythm and what hope would there ever be for anybody who works nights to be able to acclimate considering that they're living a backwards life, if you will? Yes. Another great question. And I personally felt like I was affected by that too. That's a separate condition shift wake disorder. As far as, you know, if you work nights and let's say you work your nights in a row, um, you know, your body can get accustomed to that schedule Um, But then once you're done with that night schedule and your body, you're wanting to go back to your day cycle, um, then it may take a day or so for your circadian rhythm to reset itself. So if you, that's individuals where if you have light perception, then it can affect your circadian rhythm, but your body's going to acclimate and reset. So with non-24 is if you know, primarily it's reset through light. So if we're not able to perceive any or enough light, then that's going to be where it's a chronic condition. Well, before I ask a question, let's see if we have any questions from our Zoom community. Um, Anybody want to raise their hand and ask a question? Dan? Beth raised her hand. Hi, Beth. Hello. Um, Okay, now I have... Uh, as far as I know, my retinas and all that are good, but my the, my problem is my optic nerve is not that great. I have a little bit better than light perception, and um, like they were talking about during the summer, during the summer I have a good sleep-wake cycle, but in the winter I can live on four hours sleep. Why is that? 
Yeah, I mean, that that may be due to, um, gosh, a number of factors, which it's in a setting like this where we are focusing on, you know, talking about non-24, but for reasons that why an individual may have a different sleeping pattern um, outside of non-24 is where, you know, that education goes on over to another topic. Um, and in other words, like I could... I can fall asleep okay, and I can wake up like at two o'clock in the morning, and then I don't go to sleep anymore. It's weird. And yeah, you're saying it just affects you time. at certain times of the year. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, unless, unless, do you have light perception? Yes, I have a little bit better than light. I have uh, light perception. I could see shapes and shadows yeah. about ten feet. You know, I could see about ten feet in front of me, kind of. So that would be a great conversation to have with your doctor. You know, if it's something that you would like to have the non-24 information um, provided to you so that you can read about it and have that conversation with your doctor, um, if it's something to um, look further into or a condition to rule out to, to find out if this is something that you may possibly be struggling with. Beth, thank you so much for asking that question. And due to time restraint, I'm going to see if anybody else has one more question. We'll have one more question. And as you know, we'll stay on the air for a few minutes um, in the Zoom room to wrap up any further question, Beth. Is there any other hands, Dan? Or not. Okay. I have a quick question. What's time check? 2.55. Okay. Um, real quick, <laughs> um, how what's the pharmacokinetics of the medication? In other words, how does the medication work? In 60 seconds, please. <laughs> yeah, so you know what? Travel and Terry, I can wrap that up in quicker than 60 seconds. Um, so, and I, I should have mentioned this in the beginning here, but we, on talks like this, that we focus on the condition itself, um, condition and treatment is completely separate. But if you do want to learn about treatment options, then that's also um, part of what our health educators do on the one-on-one setting with a call where they can provide you information, literature um, on the actual treatment for non-24. And then from there is, you know, to have that conversation with your doctor also. So real quick, is it a pill you take to go to sleep? Or is it more uh, maintenance where you take it every day and it keeps your um, certain hormone levels? So if you call me on, on a separate call, you know, and we okay. can discuss further, but okay. you know, in a setting like this, it's, it's, it's too um, deep to go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well, real quick, we really appreciate you being here and I'm so glad we finally um, got you caught up. Um, we um, are very glad But real quick, we just need to wrap it up. And for those of you guys that are in the Zoom room, we'll continue this conversation. But we need to close up for all you guys out there in the ACB radio world. Thank you so much, Desiree, for being our connector today. Um, Darrow, any last minute words from you? Nothing except I found this conversation to be very, very fascinating. Somebody who worked midnight shift and had a hell of a time (laughs) trying to adjust. It kind of makes a little bit more sense now to me. Yeah, it's all about the light helping us. Don't go to the light, just appreciate the light. Jay, Mm -hmm. what can you want to add anything to the conversation? I know. I think, uh, yes, uh, sleep is very important. You need it. 
uh, especially as being a, uh, a firefighter that gets out, calls out at all kinds of hours, we realize that, you know, we need to have that sleep. And the most important thing that I learned today, since I only left my, you know, my eyes have changed, my vision has changed so dramatically in three years um, from being fully sighted to not so much fully sighted and only seeing out of one eye with blobs at less than um, two feet in front of me. Um, I'm wondering if the medication that I'm on is not the correct medication to help my sleep circadian. So I am looking forward to extending my handout for help. And I hope that our goal for health checkup is always to bring awareness and also advocacy for yourself with your healthcare provider, because you're the number one most valuable player of the team. And we need every one of us to make sure you advocate for yourself. So thank you, everybody and letting us be a part of your day today. And we hope we have enlightened you. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you.